All right, welcome in to the Fantasy Football Fathers Podcast, where only one of us is an actual father and none of us are priests. My name is Trey Stinky Fingers Jose. I am joined here today by Tyler Big Irby Erbach. How you doing, man? Doing well, doing well, my brother. How are you? Doing pretty good. It's uh, Wednesday night, so we're halfway through the week. We all work, so now we're getting there. We're getting to the weekend, and we got some good games going on this weekend. Um, obviously Jimbo is not here because the intro is a lot more chill and not as, uh, (laughs) you know, how I approach it, but, um, anyways, obviously, uh, this episode, we're talking about week 15. It's going to be our start or sits for the early games. And it'll be a little different this week because, you know, instead of just Thursday night football and Sunday night football, we also have games on Saturday, three games on Saturday. Uh, in total, we're gonna be talking about 10 games today in order, starting at Thursday night football, ending with uh, the Sunday morning games. But before we do that, make sure you follow us on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Interact with us. Say what's up. Uh, ask fantasy advice. All that good stuff. Uh, and wherever you're listening to us right now, make sure you like and subscribe. Give us five stars if there's a rating option, which there should be. Even if you don't like it, just do a little fucking charity. It's Christmas season. The season of giving. <laughs> five stars. <laughs> It's also, um, in pretty much every league that I know about, the first week of the fantasy playoffs. So exciting yeah. times. Hell yeah. And I assume if you're listening right now, you're in the playoffs. Because if you are listening and you're not in the playoffs, you are a dedicated person. And we no- love you for it. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, unless you, uh, you're in a league that has, like, if you're in last place and you have a punishment. So if that's happening, definitely keep listening because we're not going to let you get last place. <laughs> this year me in one of the seven leagues that i'm in this year but i still won't get last fuck that but anyways <laughs> let's let's just start off and uh dive into the thursday night football game yeah did i miss anything no let's get it let's get it then the thursday night football game we got the san francisco 49ers going up to seattle rigid weather up here in washington which is where we are from uh obviously but you know, the 49ers are playing the Seahawks. The 49ers are three-point favorites. That's kind of interesting. Over-unders, 43.5 points. Like I said, the Thursday night football game. Let's talk about the 49ers real quick. They might be starting their fourth quarterback of the season if Brock Purdy doesn't play. Right now, he's dealing with a rib-slash-oblique injury. Uh, what the fuck is an oblique? It's the it's your side ab muscles. Oh, like the, what do they call it? The the sex muscle or whatever. The sex line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, is that what you're calling it? Yeah. <laughs> Kinda, <Okay>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so his ribs and his sex muscles are injured. Um, he was a limited participant on Tuesday and Wednesday. So you definitely get to monitor that if you're struggling at quarterback and you are you know messing with Brock Purdy out here. Kyle Shanahan did say he will likely be a game-time decision, which is always fun, especially for Thursday night football. And it's going to come down to pain tolerance. Um, let's just say you are struggling at quarterback and you have Brock Purdy. You just have to find a different option at this point, right? You can't really rely on that. Well, the nice thing is that since it is on a Thursday night, as long as you can you know, double check it before kickoff, it's easy to, to drop him and get someone else into your lineup. That's the one nice thing. It's not you know a Sunday, night, a Sunday or Monday night game where you have no options at that point. At least on Thursday night, you're going to have other options to be able to go to. So, um, I mean, I hope out of all people you're not relying on Brock Purdy um, this late in the year like that I'd be pretty surprised if that was the only option you had 
um, after the injuries to Jimmy G and whatnot. But then again, we also have a couple other injuries this week where, you know, Kyler is out for the year. Um, we don't know if Russell Wilson's going to play with this concussion and things like that. So Lamar Jackson, maybe he's, Lamar Jackson. Yes. Thank you. Uh, the, the, I mean, you got, you got some, some names and, uh, you know, Russell's not been playing great this year, but maybe that was a guy you would go to after, you know, after the other injuries happen, just one of those, those kind of snowball effects. So, I mean, but Purdy has been playing pretty well in his two, in his two games. You know, he has a total of 36 points in those two games. It's pretty damn good. It's a, he's giving you a solid floor. The Seahawks defense is not good. And so if he does play, he'll probably have a decent stat line. Yeah, it'd be a pretty little pat line or <laughs> stat line, <laughs> whatever. You see what I'm getting at. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good point with the Thursday night football thing. You know, just monitor that. And if you have to drop him, then drop him. There's really no commitment going on with him right now. Exactly. Um, just make sure you make sure you just are paying attention to his all because I mean, like I said, it's gonna be out pain tolerance. They said that the chances of him re or you know making the injury worse by playing is basically none. It's all about how much he's gonna be able to one take hits, two be able to throw the ball without being in major pain. So you'll you'll probably know come come pregame warmups. Honestly, major pain. Whatever. What's the thing you say? Uh, major news. Major news. <laughs> major pain. So um, let's talk about the running back situation on the 49ers. Obviously, it's Christian McCaffrey's backfield. He was also limited at practice on Wednesday. He's been managing a knee irritation for the last couple of weeks. Sounds like my entire adulthood. <laughs> but he has been cleared to play Thursday night. So Christian McCaffrey is good to go. Shouldn't really be worrying about that one. Let's talk about the receivers. Debo Samuel is out. If you didn't hear our waiver wire episode, you know uh, he has a high ankle sprain. Should be about forty-six, four to six weeks. It's a typical recovery time. So if Debo's Dallas on your team, you're probably... saying that they thought he would be back by before the end of the regular season. They're saying three weeks. Ah, three weeks. Damn. So that means let's just say you make it to the championship game. That's a hard decision to make. You know, first game back after that. Right. I mean, uh, it could just injury. it could be the regular season finale, which. Unless you have one of those leagues that's playing their championship in week 18, um, you know, most leagues are going to end here in week 17. So you probably won't have to make that decision. But, you know, just in case, who knows? Maybe Debo Superman. Maybe. I have no high hopes for it. You know, if he's out, which in my mind, uh, it's a great thing for Brandon Ayuk. He has been playing pretty good. And at this point, with Debo out, he, he's a must start. Absolutely. Is there anybody else we see stepping up in this receiving game, though, with Debo Samuel out? Probably not, honestly. Um, you know, it kind of it certainly feels like it's going to be Ayuk. Um, the one guy that they did step up a little bit was Jawan Jennings um, in the absence of Debo. But even then, he's he's been pretty inconsistent most of the season. Um, it's just it, it's tough to see, see what how things are going to go that way. Um, honestly. If anybody needs to step up, the most is going to be Kittle. Yeah, that's my first thought, too. Jawan Jennings, you know, he did. It, it seemed like he had a little bit of an increased role. But if you look at his snap percentage, it's essentially the same as what he's had all year. You know, fluttering around 30%, low 40s. So even with Debo out, he still had the same usage. So that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, George Kittle is probably the person I would lean on having more usage. Besides, you know, obviously, Brandon Ayuk. So yeah, Brandon Ayuk looking pretty damn good, and he's already looking good before Debo went down. So if you got Brandon Ayuk, you're in a good position going into the playoffs right now. Let's talk about the Seahawks side. 
your side and your favorite team's side. Um, <laughs> we talked about it a little bit on Monday in our waiver wire episode about the Seattle running backs that you could pick up if Kenneth Walker doesn't play. We wasted a bunch of time because Kenneth Walker practiced fully <laughs> on Tuesday and he's ready to go. So if you got Kenneth Walker, you know, obviously you're going to start him, but this is a really tough matchup against the 49ers defense. I think they might be the best against the run this year. Um, if not, definitely one of the best. Yeah, they're only giving up 13 points a game to all running backs. Um, it's actually about three points better a game than the Patriots, who are the second best. So, you know, over the course of a season, that's a pretty big, big amount. So it's it's going to be tough sledding, but they need to at least have him in there with the threat of a decent run game because it's what's going to make the offense overall play better. Yeah, and 13 points, when we say that, we're talking about the entire running back core, not not just like the starting running back. Right. So you, you combine three running backs to get 13 points. That's pretty damn tough. Hopefully Kenneth Walker gets you at least 10 because you know you're going to start him anyways. Um, let's talk about the receiving side. Obviously, Geno matchup, you're going to start him. So let's talk about who he's throwing the ball to. If you go back to when the Seahawks played the 49ers in week two, Tyler Lockett was the only bright spot on this offense. And keep in mind, this is back when uh, Rashad Penny and Kenneth Walker were healthy, kind of before Kenneth Walker got a good grasp on the game in the NFL. But um, how do we feel about Tyler Lockett and DK? And I guess, in a way, Geno Smith. Yeah, honestly, it's going to be be tough sledding. Um, if you do look back at that, at that uh, week two performance, um, it was one of Geno's worst games of the year. He only had seven fantasy points. He was 24-30, so super efficient, but only for 197 yards, threw a pick, no touchdowns. Um, it's just a tough, tough defense, and they don't give you a whole lot. And Geno did what he, what he needed to do in terms of, like, he get, you know took what they gave him. But, I mean, explosive plays were down. Um, you know, there it just was a tough sledding for them overall. And so I wouldn't be surprised, again, if one person ends up, you know, exploiting the matchup, whether it be Tyler Lockett or DK. Um, maybe it seems like this is better for Tyler Lockett because he's so good at finding like the open zone. And that's what the Niners do like to uh, run a lot. They don't run a lot of managed zone coverage. And that's what Tyler Lockett loves to exploit. So it's probably if I'm going to put my money on any of them having a good game, it's going to be uh, Lockett. But I don't have a ton of high hopes for Gina or DK this week. I mean, if I'm going to be completely honest. I mean, Gino is not going to be a top 12 quarterback. Is that kind of what you're leaning at? I mean, it's hard to see it happening as well as he's played all year. But, you know, in recent weeks, they've had to rely on him a lot more because the running game hasn't been there. And I think the Niners defense is just too good. I mean, they could get away with that against, you know, the Las Vegas, uh, the Rams, the Carolina in terms because their defenses aren't as good. But this Niners defense is too damn good to where, um, they're not going to be able to re- rely on Gino go out there and win the game. They can get, they have to have this run game going, and I just it's hard to see that happening. Yeah, you're kind of convincing me. And now that I look at Gino Smith's stats from week two, it's the only game all year where Gino Smith hasn't had double digit points. He only had seven points, just about 200 yards, no touchdowns, an interception, didn't do a goddamn thing on the ground, uh, and he wasn't even sacked very much. They were basically just shutting him down. So that's a good point. And the, with the Tyler Lockett thing, I'm totally with you because I think we've, we've been on the same side of this for quite a while this season. Um, we like Tyler Lockett more than DK, just with the consistency. Yeah, and, and obviously, I mean, we were in a way wrong because I thought they would both 
you know, have a pretty significant drop off. And that hasn't happened either. Tyler Lockett is the receiver eight on the season and DK is the receiver 13. Um, so basically very similar numbers, what they were putting up last year um, without that, that major drop off, like we said, but yeah, we did both like Lockett more this season because we thought he would mesh better with Gino. Yeah. Tyler Lockett. He's a new age. Brandon cooks consistent underrated. You can get him at a great spot in the draft. Uh, it's probably going to happen again next year. Um, I think that pretty much wraps up that game. Let's move on to the first Saturday game, yeah? Yeah. And it's that time of year. It's a great time of year. Greatest gift of all from the NFL. Now we have football on Saturdays. And the Saturday morning game is going to be the Indianapolis Colts going to Minnesota to play the Vikings. The Vikings are four-point favorites. The over-under is 48.5 points. Pretty good over-under there, or a high one. Um, on the Colts side of the ball, Matt Ryan is set to remain the starter, even though he's been playing like absolute dog shit, just water trash. <laughs> it's pretty obvious that he's holding this offense back. If you're in, you know, the first week of the playoffs, who on the Colts are you throwing in your lineup? Oh man. I mean, you can't say nobody because like, <laughs> There's a couple guys there too, you know, Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman. Those are the guys you're obviously going to lean towards. The one good thing about this, as much as Matt Ryan played like crap, the Vikings defense is not very good. If we're going to be completely honest here, they give up a ton of yards through the air, actually. Um, the second worst in terms of points to receivers on the season. So that's a good thing. Um, so I think you can throw in Pittman. I think he should be able to take advantage of the poor coverage that Minnesota plays with. Um, and then just real quick. I, I was thinking about this today when I was putting putting together this doc. Is Jonathan Taylor the worst number one overall pick in the, like the last 10 years for fantasy football? Barring I would say injury. he might be. Like I yeah, like I, no, I I think so. I would like I remember like David Johnson having a really a really terrible year when he became the consensus consensus number one pick. But I think it was it was really injury based and like Jonathan Taylor's only missed two games. Outside of that, he's not or he's played Three games, I guess. But, like, he's just not played very well, period. I mean, he had a rough start to this season, but the last four weeks are, you know, they're definitely worthy of maybe not being, like, a number one pick, but, you know, in the last four games, he has a quick estimate here, what, 30, 53, you know, 65 fantasy points in four games. That's still pretty solid. Those are RB1 numbers. So... I definitely see where you're getting at. Definitely one of the worst ones because I'm, I'm choosing somebody number one overall. I need every week production. And he had a couple of bad weeks yeah. earlier this year on top of the fact that he didn't play for three weeks. Right. Like it kind of sucks. because like the two guys that you were kind of that were in the mix with them were like Austin Eckler and CMC. And right now, the way it's going, it seems like everyone made a mistake not going with CMC. Or I'm sorry, with uh, Austin Eckler because CMC's missed some games as well. Where Eckler's been yeah. a stud all year. Yeah, that's a very good point. David Johnson is a good example too, but his fall off wasn't as bad as David Johnson's. I don't think. Um, yeah, but I think I'm pretty sure the year that he was the consensus number one, he did miss quite a few games because of injury. Well, I mean, three games is a decent amount. He might have really fucked you in those three weeks. Um, yeah, it's not definitely. Uh, I see what you're saying. Not quite convinced. We'll see at the end of the year. You know, let these last right. few weeks of the fantasy playoffs play out, and uh, we'll we'll really see what what it's about here. 
Uh, Michael Pittman, though, I just want to touch on that real quick. I think he's a risk. Um, definitely worth maybe flexing him, but he's on the, not the wide receiver one or two that we thought he would be earlier in the season. And if I had him on my lineup, I'd really be questioning putting him in there if I had a better option behind him. It's very inconsistent, and with Matt Ryan back there, it could really screw you. It's just tough because there's gonna be so there's so few like better options based off of where you drafted Pittman, you know. Um, mm-hmm. It's 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 a it's a tough go, man. I think there's one league I have Pittman. Obviously, I drafted him high, but then I also got Hopkins later. And it, it, obviously, I think that's easy at this point. But you know, obviously, I want to start Hopkins over Pittman. But you know, you might have gotten lucky and snagged some good guys later in the draft, and hopefully, you did because he's. It's not someone I would put my lineup to be confident about. That's for sure. Yeah, and and that's fair. Honestly, I just the way I uh, see this Minnesota defense playing, they have they don't have a great pass rush, even though they have Daniel Hunter, who's one of the premier pass, you know, guys off the edge in the league. Um, but they they don't have a very good pass rush outside of that. They don't cover down the field. I'm gonna say go ahead and throw Pittman into your lineup this week. Is it Daniel Hunter? I thought it was Danielle. Honestly, no, it's Daniel. Okay, well, uh, I'm an <laughs> asshole for that one. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the Viking side of the ball. Dalvin Cook and Justin Jefferson. Obviously, you're starting them. But what about Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen? We talk about Adam Thielen quite a bit when we do the R start sits. And it, I think I'm still iffy about him. I mean, has your opinion changed on whether or not you should throw you know, Adam Thielen in the lineup? <laughs> it changes every week, buddy. Changes every yeah. week. That's <laughs> why I'm iffy about it. I know. Um, no, this week I'm extremely iffy. For whatever reason, even though the Colts have been disappointing this year, they are still extremely tough against wide receivers. They're only giving up 21 points a game um, to the position. It's the second best in the in the entire league. So for whatever reason, they're Do you really know how many touchdowns? At, is it like one or something like that? It's like not a lot. Uh, one or two. Well, because Adam Thielen is touchdown dependent, right? So I think if, if they don't give up, you know, at least one and a half touchdowns per game, you, you got to kind of fade Thielen. But anyways, I didn't mean to cut you off. What were you saying? Yeah, no, I was saying just because of that, I mean, it's just, it makes it seem like I wouldn't, you wouldn't, I don't think you can trust him this week by any means. I mean, you haven't been able to really trust him all year. And then it's even, even more dicey for this specific week. Yeah. I mean, for some reason you got a hanker in that uh, he's going to score a touchdown, then go for it. Cause that's the only way he's going to be relevant for you in the game. All of his double-digit double games this year are from him scoring a touchdown. If he hasn't scored a touchdown, he he has not broke double digits. So he's completely reliant on touchdowns. It's like a, um, honestly, looking at his stats, he, he does get good yards, but it reminds me of like a tight end. It's just like, okay, he's doing okay, but unless he scores a touchdown, it's not even, he's not doing it. So. Yeah, that's fair. And and to go along with that, I don't think I'm. I don't think I would stream Kirk Cousins this week either. Um, I think this is a game where you know they'll rely more on the run, and Justin Jefferson will still get his because he's Justin Jefferson. Um, but outside of that, I don't think Cousins or Thielen are guys you should have in your lineup at all. All righty, let's move on to the next game. Baltimore Ravens going to Cleveland to play the Browns. The Browns are three point favorites. Over under is 37 points, pretty damn low. Uh, the Browns are probably favorites because obviously Lamar Jackson is out and his backup, Tyler Huntley, is going through concussion protocol. Tyler Huntley did practice on Wednesday, so it looks pretty good that he is going to play. But, you know, he's got to pass that protocol. He did not do much uh, in his 
last game, but he was up against a pretty good defense with the Denver Broncos, who are pretty consistent. And the Browns' defense is a little more leaky. So what do we expect from you know Tyler Huntley and the passing game this week? Yeah, and I messed that up, by the way. They did not play Denver last week. They played Denver the week before, when the week that Lamar got hurt. Last week, they played Pittsburgh. I'm not sure how I messed that up. Oh, hey, thanks for fucking me. I got hey, played. I'm, 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 yeah, I, didn't even, I wasn't even looking at the dog. I'm like looking at, at stats as you're talking. I just heard Denver. I'm like, that's wrong. <laughs> oh, now I have trust issues. I'm going to question <laughs> everything I read off of our shit. All right, uh, you know what? That's like the one mistake I've made the entire season. I'll take it. Hey, fool me once. <laughs> shame on you. Fool me twice. Can't get shamed again, or whatever George Bush said. (laughs) You remember that shit? (laughs) I do. (laughs) Uh, That's funny. A major throwback. So, yeah, anyways, let's go back to the the Ravens offense. Uh, What are we expecting from Huntley and, you know, the receiving game? I mean, what do we expect from this receiving game all year? Yeah, absolutely nothing, which sucks. God, I loved Rashad Bateman, R.I.P., He's not yeah, dead, so, but yeah. So I don't <laughs> see that changing. I just, I don't really see that changing. I just pray to God, Mark Andrews does something in this fucking game. Something. Yeah, you, you brought it up before this podcast. He's still, you know, tight end two, and in the last was it six weeks? You said he hasn't broke six points, or he's uh, averaging he's, that's, that's less his, than six uh, points. Exactly. He hasn't broken, I think, eight points. So yeah, in his last five full games played, taking out the game he got hurt and the next game he that he obviously missed. He's averaging 5.6 points per game in those five games. It's terrible. And even though even though how terrible that is, it's a guy that you wouldn't have in your starting lineup if he wasn't named Mark Andrews. But even with that terrible, terrible play, he's still a tight end two on the season. It doesn't even make sense to me. Yeah, and I think I said this before the episode started. You, know, you can't be fooled by rankings. you got to look at recent play. And what's going on? Because you, you see Mark Andrews like, oh yeah, tight end too, and you're probably going to start him. But at the same time, if he continues to get you know around five points, we're in the playoffs, dude. You can't fuck with that. It's going to kill you. And it's so yeah. and like if you do sit him for if the, you can find a better option, well, that's also hard to do in the tight end position right now, anyways. And then you, it's so hard to sit him because like it's still Mark Andrews, and you just assume at some point he's going to break out of this. And maybe, and then you don't want to be be the the dumbass that put him on your bench, and then he goes off. God, that how fucking ironic would that be? But that's how fantasy goes. We're out here gambling. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk about the running game for the Ravens. J.K. Dobbins came back from IR pretty fast. You know, he made a surprise return last week, and he did pretty damn good. He had 15 carries and 120 yards. I think. Obviously, that stat line is pretty, that's pretty intense. You know, that's over 10 yards per carry. I think he will have a strong game, though. Um, eight yards per carry, but. Eight? Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> good catch. I'm tired as fuck. But <laughs> I'm good at math, usually. But anyways, good catch. Eight yards per carry. Either way, that's that's a lot to expect from somebody to keep repeating that. Um, he's still worth starting, though, right? You know, I would think so. Um it does bother. It does bother me. I'm not sure if you saw. It was going on Twitter. He had a breakout run where, before the injury, guaranteed touchdown. Right, like it was a guaranteed touchdown. But he's just just in a straight line. the The way he looks running doesn't look great. 
Um, it looks like he's like he's still hurt because um, it's not like a full stride. It's like these weird little like pitter patter type steps instead of like full strides. And then he went to go cut to because the guy was starting to, to cut him off. He went to a cut and it was a non-existent cut. Like there was zero oh. explosion behind it. Like it was bad looking. And so I don't like the way that looked on tape because um, it clearly shows that he's not back. And he said himself, he came out and said he's still working his way back. Um, and it's not, and he doesn't feel like he's anywhere near a hundred percent, but he's hoping that, you know, this one good game can, can lead to more. Um, it's just, I can't get that video out of my head, dude. I can't, it's so rough looking and maybe it was just a bad matchup for the Pittsburgh defense in terms of like being able to stop the run in this game. Uh, cause he did kill them, but man, I, I don't know how much of it was the scheme of it and how much of it was actually J.K. Dobbins making the right plays. That's a really good point you're bringing up. Now I'm kind of worried. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, good point made there. And if you're curious, just look up J.K. Dobbins' you know, highlights against the Steelers. It should come up because it was a big run, right? And he's just Yeah, it was like, it, I mean, it was still like a 40-yard run. I mean, I don't know what Pittsburgh was doing. They like, they it was like a zero, like a zero blitz, you know, like an all-out blitz. But then they didn't blitz through the A gaps and he just like busted through the middle without being touched. And there's one guy to beat and he couldn't do it. And it wasn't even close to beating him. Oh, that's rough. Yeah. Okay. And this is coming from a guy who loves J.K. Dobbins. I liked him coming out of college. I have him I in in my six leagues I'm on this season. I'm pretty sure I have him in four of those leagues. I was a major, major believer in J.K. Dobbins coming back this year. And I thought he was gonna compete for the comeback player of the year. I really did. That obviously didn't happen. His knee injury's been, uh, you know, obviously bothersome for him all year. That's why he had to go and have more surgery on it. But I hope he can still bounce back. It's just, I'm not sure if it's going to be this season. So maybe not start him. <laughs> maybe <laughs> not. That... I mean, if you're in the playoffs, if you were if you were a guy that you, that you did believe in JK like I did, and you're still in the playoffs, you know, because you found another way to still win games with JK out of your lineup, then I would continue to go that route and keep JK on my bench. Okay. Yeah, a lot of good points made there. Let's talk about the Brown side of the ball. Deshaun Massage Watson. His return has been what we expected. You know, it's it's just a work in progress. He's slowly working his way back. It has been two years since he was a full time starter or really, you know, seen the field. <laughs> yeah, he hasn't forget starting a football game being on the football field. Yeah, um, the Browns offensive coordinator, Alex Van Pelt, he expects the offense to open up more down the field this week. So something about, you know, expecting more downfield passes from Deshaun Watson as he gets more comfortable. I personally am just like, ah, nice try. You're not fucking me, dude. Not the first week of the playoffs. <laughs> I'm not taking that risk. Yeah, I wish I would. I could say the same thing, um, but I had Kyler Murray. In, in one of my lineups and, and on one of my playoff rosters and he's not there anymore. So uh, I picked up the Sean Watson last week because the Cardinals were on by or the week before he got hurt, you know, and went with him there just because I, like I said, when that happened, like he's the ultimate wild card and it hasn't worked out. I understand he scored 17 points last week, but they had to throw the ball 42 times to get there. Um, he only completed 26 of those for 276, a touchdown and an interception. Put in, give you another 33 yards on the ground, though, so at least he gives you that. But I also kind of expect this team to revert back to what they were doing early in the year and running the ball. For some reason, they like completely 
eliminated the run game from like their their game plan last week. Um, it was kind of weird. It's very on you know Browns like in terms of like the way their offense runs. So I expect them mm-hmm. to get back to running the ball. But even then, that's gonna be tough. The Ravens, since they traded for Roquan Smith back at the trade deadline from the Bears, have by far the best run defense in the league. Teams are averaging like. 3.1 yards per carry or some shit like that since they picked him up. Like, it's no one's running the ball on them right now. Oh, God. What a good pickup. I've loved Roquan Smith since he got drafted. He's a stud. Um, oh, definitely. And, and you brought up a good point. You know, the, the run game, it seems like they're kind of, they're not utilizing it like we thought. And since Watson came back, it really slowed down Nick Chubb, who only has, you know, 14.9 points in the last two weeks combined. And like you said, they're going up against the Ravens, a very tough run defense. You're still going to start Nick Chubb, right? Yeah, I mean, you have to. I think that Nick Chubb should still be an RB1 as long as they actually give him the ball. Um, I mean, I know he still got 17, 14 carries over those two games. But like the week before against Tampa Bay, another very good run defense. They gave it to him 26 times. He had 116 yards on touchdown. That's what they need to do against Baltimore, even though. They have a good run defense. They need to feed him the ball because Nick Chubb gets better the more he gets fed, and that's going to take the pressure off of Deshaun Watson. As hopefully what they do do so that Nick Chubb can get some goddamn points. Agreed. Um, let's talk about the next game here. We got the Miami Dolphins going to Buffalo to play the Bills. The Bills are seven-point favorites. The over-under is only 42 points. That seems kind of low. Uh, this is going to be a Saturday night game. And Tua started off pretty damn strong after you know getting concussed a couple of times in consecutive weeks, middle of the season. Last few weeks, seems like he's struggling. Defenses are really you know just focusing on taking away the middle of the field, and Tua hasn't adjusted. And we would like to see those big numbers from him, but it's not happening right now. Right now, um, well, this week he plays the Bills, who are an incredibly good defense, and they limited him to just eleven points. Uh, last time they played, which was earlier in this season, do you think Tua can, you know, bounce back against this defense that already shut him down? I, I honestly don't see it. Um, again, the last few weeks, and I, if you like, I'm one, especially on on my days off Tuesday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, I have ESPN on like all day, and I do religiously watch like NFL Live and things like that. And one of the things that they've done a great job of in recent years is getting a lot more analytical and like really breaking down plays and showing you why things are happening. And they did a big thing on Tua today and they showed these different type of coverages that the last three weeks teams have been running against them. And they are eliminating the middle of the field, like eliminating it. Everything's inside leverage on their cornerbacks. They have uh, lurk defenders, whether it be the safety or the linebackers underneath to just any crossing route, they're all over. And Tua can't, even though he's a very accurate thrower, he's never had the biggest arm and he's clearly isn't adjusting or maybe not doesn't have the exact tools to be able to get the ball out to the, you know, deep and to the outside of the numbers. He might not have that arm strength. And right now it's exposing him. Damn. Good point. Makes you wish I had cable so I can watch these <laughs> things that you're watching here. <laughs> so if, you know, let's say that the bills do the same and shut down Tua. What about the receivers? You know, Tyreek Hill, he's dealing with an ankle injury, but he did practice fully. And Jalen Waddle has been struggling these last few weeks, along with Tua, which, you know, makes sense. Yeah. 
this week in a primetime game in Buffalo, which is probably going to be about 25 degrees and at least one to three inches of snow on the ground. What do we expect from this receiving game on the Dolphins? Um, It's going to be tough, man. It is. Also, did you hear this report about the Dolphins using heated benches and heaters when they were in L.A. this last week? It was 55 degrees. God, how ironic is that? It was 30 degrees today up here in the beautiful Northwest, and I was just like, damn, feels kind of good because it's been 20 <laughs> degrees for a while now. <laughs> You're like, it's not that cold. Yeah, so they're yeah. using if they're needing heaters in 55-degree weather, what the hell are they going to do going up to Buffalo? That, like everyone's that is their, a great point. They're going to be just in, in the huddle just like, Chittering their teeth and Tua can't get a damn play call out because he can't speak. Blue forty two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think what what Tua say? I saw a quote saying like, "Oh, it it snows in Alabama." You know that, right? I'm just like, it's not the same, dude. Yeah. Okay. Northern Alabama gets like a couple inches of snow, like maybe a year. Yeah, that's like snow that falls and melts overnight. I've got snow in my front yard that's been there since late fucking November. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, this this whole passing offense I'm worried about. Am I telling you that you are that you have to go out and sit all of them? No, because, I mean, it's two has been killing it. Tyreek's been killing it. Jalen Wall's been killing it. Like, it's too hard to completely bench them, but I'm saying have concern. Yeah, definitely, and that's... It, it has to be the appropriate approach because it, it should be a rough game. Any snow game, really, you kind of have to temper expectations of what's going to happen on either offense. Exactly. Um, so let's just say that the passing game isn't working very well. Let's talk about the run game. Jeff Wilson, he's dealing with a hip injury uh, he got last week against the Chargers. He did not practice on Wednesday. And if he doesn't practice on Thursday, he is definitely in danger of missing you know this next game against the Bills. So definitely keep an eye on him. And with it being a Saturday game, it's not the end of the world. You know, you should have options, kind of like you were touching on earlier, you know, with the early 30. games. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, with the earlier game, you should have a, at least add a backup to your lineup if Jeff Wilson cannot play. Yep. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, obviously, if Wilson's out, the immediate successor, hopefully you have them both in your team, would be Raheem Boster because um, he'll get the bulk of the carries and uh, could potentially have have a good day. Um, another thing they were breaking down on it. I love do watching this how they break down the plays. They were showing showing one way that you could really run against this Buffalo defense, and uh, it's pretty convincing. Basically, you they like to run a ton of nickel covers. They don't do a lot of base defense. And if you isolate the nickel corner on the back side of the defense, so the weak side of the defense, you can run right at him, and he's terrible at getting off of, off of blocks. And that's how you run against the Bills. Did you hear that, Miami? <laughs> hopefully, um, hopefully, Mike McDaniel's knows this. Um, all right, let's talk about the Bills side of the ball. You know, we, we're gonna roll with Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs. Um, those are the only Cole surefire Beasley. guys no. we're starting, right? <laughs> oh my god, get the fuck out of here! <laughs> the newly signed Cole please. Beasley going off. The bees, yeah, not not really the bees' knees anymore. But let's talk about the backfield. <laughs> Yeah, you know, we were getting excited about James Cook maybe taking over this backfield, but it's been inconsistent. 
Um, in the last four weeks, he has two games where he has four carries or less and six yards or less in both games. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, <laughs> it, it was. Bad. I mean, obviously, we said when we talked about this last week, it was like, you know, is the James Cook takeover happening? And we said we both said maybe I said that I wanted to wait and see. And good thing we waited and waited and saw because, uh, yeah, it's not happening yet by any means. And honestly, it's not like Devin Singletary is doing anything to, like, really make you feel good about this backfield anyway. So neither one's going to be in your lineup. Yeah, that's how I feel. Unless Devin Singletary scores a touchdown, which has only happened a few times this year, he's probably going to screw you. He hasn't had more than, I think, 90-something yards in a game. He hasn't broke 100 all year. So it, it, it's a rough backfield. That's for sure. Let's talk about the Eagles going into Chicago to play the Bears. The Eagles are nine-point favorites. The over-under is 48.5 points. I think that's the highest over-under we've discussed so far. Um, oh, tied with the Colts and Vikings. Either way, high-scoring game. Um, on the Eagles side of the ball, Devontae Smith, he has been like a fringe starter pretty much all season. Last week, he had a pretty solid game. How are we feeling about him against the Bears? You know, he's one of those tough ones. Like I think, I think it's very matchup dependent. Um, the Bears are not a good defense, so you would immediately think that uh, that you could throw him in there because he should have, have his opportunity. But they are really weak against the run, and let's be honest, that's the bread and butter of the Eagles. So they're going to run the damn ball this week, and they're going to run it a lot. I just think you're going Devontae Smith is going to be really hard to have in your lineup, just because I think he's going to see see a pretty small number of targets in general. I mostly agree with you up until the end. You know, in the last five weeks, Devontae Smith has had at least eight targets in every single game. In right. The last five games, eight, nine, nine, eight, and eight targets, uh, catching a good majority of them. His worst game in that stretch was seven points. Um, he's not, you know, a game winner for you, but I think he's worth a flex option. See, and the, my counter to that is, like, if you look at the defense they play, do they play the Giants, the Titans, the the Packers, those are the last three games, all poor passing defenses. So it's easier to throw on them. Indianapolis is kind of an anomaly there because he still get, did get nine targets, even though they're very good against wide receivers. Um, Washington's been up and down. And the then back in week nine when they play Houston, another team that's terrible on defense, but they're so easy to run against. That's all teams do. He only had two targets. Mm. Okay, good point. The Houston thing, though, I was just like, ah, I mean, no one really passes against them because they're winning the fucking game, like the entire right. But time. but that's the but you can say the same thing about Chicago. Hmm. Okay. Now I see you're getting out there. Yeah. I'm. I'm still. I'm flexing him probably. Uh, unless I have three killer receivers, I wouldn't feel bad about flexing him because I think he'll, he'll get at least double digit points this week just because of his usage. Okay. Yeah, that's where I I just have a feeling that he's gonna. You're gonna see a massive target drop off here, where you only have him get you know, four or five targets. So then he's going to have to really catch, you know, all, all of them in order to have, give himself a decent game. Hmm. Well, I guess time will tell because you're wrong, but we'll see what happens. <laughs> Let's talk about the bear side of the ball. Justin Fields. He is listed day to day with an illness that, uh, I think that came out either, you know, on Wednesday or Tuesday, definitely keep an eye on him and his status. See if he'll be good to go. He has now scored at least 20 points in six straight games that he started. So obviously, you know, if Justin Fields is playing and he feels good, you're starting him no matter what. 
and the Eagles are probably the best defense in the league. But with that rushing upside that he has, I, I'm, yeah, you're definitely uh, gonna start him if he's feeling good. Yeah, you have to, but obviously you have to be concerned. The Eagles have made a lot of really good uh, fancy players and just offenses in general look really silly this year. Um, all season too. I mean, you can talk about them shutting down, you know, Justin Jefferson back in week two um, and, you know, things like that. It's been all year long. They've been killing, killing people. So I do have some worry about fields, you know, being able to replicate that, you know, 20 points again, but you have to kind of roll with it just because he has been playing so well. Got to roll with it. I'm telling you. It's, uh, he's on the right side of the field. The grass is greater in his field when he's healthy. Let's talk about the Falcons going into New Orleans to play the Saints. Saints are four-point favorites. Real quick, let's take a step oh, back. How do you whoa. feel about David Montgomery against this Eagles defense? I mean, we 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 all know like how you know we think David Montgomery is. He's as, as solid as there is when it comes to being a running back in terms of giving you you know weekly fantasy production. But this is a different monster he's going up against. Definitely a different monster, and with. The way the running back landscape is, I, I think you have to start him. Hopefully, he's like your RB2, but I'm, I'm putting him in the lineup. I think I have to. I agree. Uh, I'm kind of with you where I've, I think it's one of those ones you need to temper expectations a little bit, though. Um, and I think I, he's probably a low-end RB2 play this week just because the defense is so tough, and they don't throw the ball. So, I mean, they're probably just going to be stacking the box against the run. Oh, yeah, I'm totally with you. I mean, if he gets like at least 10 points, I'd be totally happy with that. I need double digits. That's what I want. So, uh, yeah, like I was going to say, the, let's talk about the next game here. The Falcons are going into <laughs> New Orleans to play the Saints. Saints are four-point favorites. The over-under is 43 points, like we talked about on our Monday waiver wire episode. Well, I guess it comes out on Tuesdays. Uh, Tuesday waiver wire episode. Desmond Ritter slated to make his first start as a professional against the New Orleans Saints. An interesting little twist here. We thought they just named Desmond Ritter the starter, but it came out today on Wednesday, while you know the day we're recording, that Marcus Mariota is being placed on IR with an injury. So it's not necessarily like they really benched Mariota for Ritter to start, but either way, at the end of the day, Desmond Ritter is now the starter. And with Marcus Mariota being on IR, uh, with as far as fantasy goes, he's done for. So what do we think this offense will look like with Ritter at quarterback? Um, and honestly, I think they're going to throw the ball more. It's going to be more open. It's going to be so <laughs> predicated on the running game. Um, I don't think it's that far-fetched to say that Desmond Ritter is probably already a better thrower of the football than Marcus Mariota is. Just from what we've seen uh, from his college tape, really. Pretty far-fetched. No, I... I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, uh, obviously, I like Marcus Mariota, and I had high hopes for him. But we love Desmond Ritter in the offseason with our you know our quarterback preseason rankings or pre-draft rankings, and we think he's definitely very capable. You know, four-year starter at Cincinnati, he's a proven winner, uh, great arm, like you said. He seems to be pretty smart at the same time. So uh, let's just say uh, you think he'll pass the ball thirty times, thirty pass attempts. I don't know if we will see that week one here. 30, I think, is might be a little high just because of the way the offense has been running. I don't think they're going to immediately, excuse me, uh, revert, you know, to like a 
high passing offense. But I mean, if you look at what they've done so far this season, Mariota threw the ball 30 times only twice this year. Yeah, that's so kind of why I approached that number. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't expect them to immediately come out with Ritter and throw the ball 30 times, but I think it's going to be instead of seeing so many games of like 17, 18 pass attempts, I think you're going to, for the rest of the year, I think you're going to see a minimum of probably 25 attempts from Ritter. I'd like to see that. I want to see what he's capable of. So, yeah, that that would be fun to see. On the Saints side of the ball, Alvin Kamara, he's uh, really struggled in the last two games before they had their bye week. You know, he's only has 6.7 points combined in those two games. That is absolutely atrocious. Do you think he bounces back against the Falcons? He he has to. God, that's a horrible <laughs> stat line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he can't he can't really do, do much worse, right? So, um, but ultimately we're asking, is he going to give you enough points to make him? So he needs, like, he needs to be in your lineup. Because, I mean, honestly, a lot of the season he doesn't need to be in your lineup, even though you probably still drafted him pretty early in the in the draft regardless of what was happening with his stuff legally you know legalized so but this week they bounce back against or he bounces back against the falcons he, i think he just has to i think the bye week gave the team you know some time some time to reflect and figure out what was working well and what wasn't in their offense and when you give alvin and kamara kamara the ball good things happen so i just think they're going to look at that like we need to just get him the damn ball. Yeah, it definitely makes like things easier if you can run the ball pretty good. The Falcons are not necessarily a great defense, so I'm with you on that one. Let's talk about the next game here. Detroit Lions going to New York to play the Jets. This is a even money line, or not money line, an even spread. The over-under is 44.5 points. I guess that means you actually can only bet the money line because you have to just bet whoever you think is going to win. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's interesting because I think this game is going to be so close in Vegas here, you know, making these odds. On the Lions side of the ball, um, the running back situation should be interesting because last week they didn't really want to run the ball at all. So DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams both had pretty quiet games. This week they go against the Jets in the Jets stadium. They have a pretty tough run defense. How do you feel about them? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's weird. I mean, last week, they there was it was such kind of a shootout with Minnesota. I'm surprised that they didn't run the ball at all. Um, I thought DeAndre, especially with pass, I thought DeAndre Swift would be involved in the passing game. He really wasn't, which was surprising, especially on, on it for like, in, in a game they threw the ball so many times. Um, it's not a great matchup, but I think this game, you know, not being in the in the confines of their dome and you know having perfect weather, I think you're going to see them run the ball a little more. Um, I'm still going to lean towards Swift because he seems to be on the uptick in terms of playing time and touches, whereas Williams seems to be going the opposite direction right now. So I'm going to go with go with Swift and Jamal Williams will probably get you that that one yard touchdown run to keep him flex worthy. <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking about Jamal Williams. And, of course, you love DeAndre Swift because you fucking always do. Um, definitely not a bad option, though. Yeah, I- I'm with you. Um, on the receiving side for the Lions, DJ Shark, back-to-back games with at least 12 points. He's pretty interesting. Even with Jamison Williams back in the picture, you know, maybe that's the reason he's getting more points. We talked about this last year with Amon Ross St. Brown 
once there's more competitive receivers in the room, you know, there can't be much attention focused on their best receivers. So maybe DJ Shark is opening up a little bit with Jamison Williams being back. I mean, I would like to say that would be the reason, but we have to remember Jamison Williams has played all of like 15 snaps in the two games he's been there. Oh, that's a good point. So everything I said uh, does not <laughs> fucking matter. <laughs> I think DJ, I think the biggest thing with Shark is that he's finally healthy. He's been dealing with injuries all year long um, where like he had nagging injuries coming into the season. Then they, he sat him for a while. I think he's just finally getting healthy uh, and is getting more, you know, in tune and getting a better connection with Jared Goff in the offense. So I think ultimately it's just that things are just starting to click for him. Now, come the next season when you have, you know, James Williams back at full strength, Amon Ross St. Brown, DJ Shark still there. Like you also have a, you know, a trio of receivers that are pretty damn good and, and up there in Detroit. Yeah, very nice young core. You know, people forget that DJ Shark is still pretty young. Obviously, Amon yep. Ra in his second year, right? Yeah, yeah, he was a rookie last year. So, yeah, it'll be a second year. Jamison will be in his second year next year. DJ Shark, like you said, is only 26. He'll be in his fifth year next year. I mean, nice young core. They're all signed for at least the next three seasons. It's going to be things are, things are happening in Detroit, man. Hmm. Things are happening. Hell yeah. I'm all about it, too. I'm rooting for Detroit. I like for them to be good again. Let's talk about the Jets side of the ball. Mike Wart, Mike Wart, Mike White is expected to start this weekend after leaving the you know last week's game against the Bills multiple times after getting absolutely just clobbered in different occasions on the same game. Man, he was folded like a launcher. Oh, yeah. Mid-air. This guy's doing the toe touch for the presidential <laughs> test. It's four feet off the ground. It looked, definitely looked horrible. But, you know, if he does play, that'd be impressive. Uh, he does have a pretty good matchup this week. The Lions defense has not been very good against the pass or really just kind of really just daunting in general. I will <laughs> say this, though. If you look at the Lions stats, the last seven weeks are way different than the first uh, eight weeks. They're doing way better. So with that being said, I would feel iffy about starting Mark White. Yeah, I mean, it's not I, the injury thing sucks. Uh, they even took him. They, they they took him to the hospital after last week's game to make sure he didn't have any internal organ damage. They came back clean apparently, but like that's how hard he was being hit. They were worried about his like overall like health. Like he like like you might have like a you know bruised liver or some shit. So, <laughs> uh, but personally, dude. If I have to stream somebody, I would go with Mike White. I would. I'm I haven't pulled the trigger on it yet. I've been contemplating this in our home league because it's, you know, him or Deshaun Jack or Deshaun Watson, Deshaun Jackson. Um, oh, that's him or Deshaun because that's the position I'm in because of the injury to Kyler. Right. And so. Yeah. And there's not a whole lot of better options on our waiver. And by better, I mean, there aren't any. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, deeply. Uh, so I just. It's tough, man. And I think if I'm in that position, I'm I would lean towards Mike White. All right. Tyler's White. You heard it here first. <laughs> Breaking news. Tyler is also white. But <laughs> <laughs> stupid fucking joke. But anyways, uh, let's talk about the backfield for the Jets. Michael Carter and Zonovan Knight split snaps last week. But Zonovan Knight is I 
he's been doing some good things lately. He received mm-hmm. the bulk of the workload, and Michael Carter was basically just catching passes. How do we think it's going to play out this week? I, I'd be interested in Zonovan Knight. It's, it's, it seems like they like him. Yeah, it's it's kind of surprising. I thought, I mean, I, we did mention last week that we thought at least in Carter's first game back, we could see this being more of a 50-50 split. And it was when it came to snaps. But, man, the when it came to the actual workload, Michael Carter essentially wasn't part of the game plan. Um, he was relegated to really a third down type of passing role, even though he played half the snaps. Um, when Donovan Knight was in, he was one getting the ball, just plain and simple. And so right now, I think, yeah, if you're going to pick one, it's got to be Zonovan. Zonovan. Yep, definitely. He looks pretty good, and I totally agree with you there. Let's talk about the next game here. The Pittsburgh Steelers going into Carolina to play the Panthers. The Panthers are two and a half point favorites. The overrunner is 37 and a half points. Ugh, shit bowl. Either way, this should be a rough game on both sides, I think. But, you know, you never know. On the Pittsburgh side of the ball, Kenny Pickett was limited at practice on Wednesday. You know, he is going through concussion protocol. Sounds like he didn't do very much on, you know, during the practice on Wednesday. Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph split first-team reps during the practice, uh, or at least a portion that the media was allowed to watch. So it really depends on who's going to start for this game, right? Because it it changes the offense completely. You know, Mitch Trubisky, Mason Rudolph, Kenny Pickett. So let's just say if Trubisky starts, who do you like? And if Pickett starts, who do you like? Yeah, it's, it's so weird because, I mean, Deontay Johnson finally had a good game, right? And that's because it was Trubisky throwing him the ball. Uh, I mean, because even going to the back to the beginning of the year when he wasn't doing great, but at least he had eight, 10 and 12 points in the first three weeks of the season. That's when Trubisky was was still a starter and has been terrible, has been absolutely terrible since Pickett became the starter. Then the second they revert back to Trubisky, he has another solid game, eight catch or eight targets, six catches for 82 yards, gave you 11 points. And so I, I'm automatically going to think that if Trubisky's in, I think you can finally say you could throw Deontay Johnson into your lineup relatively confidently. If Pickett plays, then in all honesty, I don't feel confident about anybody in my lineup outside of Pat Fryermuth or Najee Harris because he's been so inconsistent getting the ball to one sing- singular person. Uh, that's some good points. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah, if Trubisky plays, then... Yeah, Dante is interesting, and if not, yeah, Pat Fryermuth and Najee Harris, who we're rolling with. But speaking of Najee Harris, he did not practice on Wednesday with a hip injury. You know, his status is still up in the air. You got to monitor that as we go into, you know, Sunday morning. Um, I guess I would just look at it on either Friday night or Saturday morning. You know, you'll probably see where he's at at that point. But if he does not play, you're probably going to see a committee between Jalen Warren and Benny Snell. Interesting little tandem there. If Najee doesn't play, are you interested in either of these guys? No, no. I mean, like I said, it's or like we mentioned there, it's going to be a committee more than likely. And a committee in this backfield just isn't, there's not enough yardage or usage there to, you know, give you a fancy, a fancy star. So it's Najee. It sounds like Najee's probably going to be able to play somehow. Um, the injury that he's dealing with right now, the hip is actually, somehow connected to the injury he, he had last week with the oblique, which he, you know, practiced limitedly 
all week on and then uh and then still played so somehow they're they're correlated not exactly sure how that works but either way um i think as long as as long as Najee has any kind of practice time in this week he should be fine yeah and hopefully so he, you know he has been killing it but you definitely need him to be starting especially you know first week of the playoffs here so about the move you know we do like him if he does play but he did not practice on wednesday he did suffer a foot injury early in last week's game but the good news is it doesn't seem too serious and he is expected to play this weekend. So you know, kind of re- reiterate what you said earlier. We like the mooth. We like Najee. Yes. Yes, sir. Let's talk about Carolina. God, what a horrible offense, but they run the ball pretty damn well. So, you know, Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard, they both had pretty similar stat lines the last two games. The team in general just moving the ball pretty well. It's just a matter of who's going to you know move the ball more. So are you comfortable with starting either of these guys, or do you prefer a certain, you know, either Foreman or Hubbard? Yeah, I mean, I know we talked about a little bit on the waiver of how it seems like you could probably play both of them, and that very well could be so uh, because they are both getting plenty of carries. Chuba Hubbard has 31 carries in the last two games and is giving you very close to running back one um, production in those games. But Foreman's just getting so much more work as much as they're running the ball so damn much. I mean, in that same time frame, Foreman has 45 carries. So it's 14 more carries over, over those two games, which is a lot. And ultimately seems to be the better runner overall. I think he works better for the, for what they're trying to do in terms of like being more of that power back. And so I would lean towards Foreman still. Uh, if you're in a bind, I think you could flex Hubbard, but I don't love that. If if I get to only choose one, it's definitely going to be Foreman. Yeah, I'm definitely leading Foreman, but Hubbard does not seem like a bad little option if you're struggling at running back. So yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Let's talk about the next game. The Dallas Cowboys going to Jacksonville. Play the Jaguars. Cowboys are only four-point favorites, which is kind of interesting. The over-under is 47.5 points. Let's talk about the Cowboys running back situation. Tony Bollard, Ezekiel Elliott, they've both been killing it. Are you hesitating to start either of these guys? No, I'm not. Um, It's it's a pretty good matchup against the Jaguars. They're not a great defense. Um, They give up a little more than 21 points a game to the running back position. It's you know, a little less than, than average. So, or a little more than average, I should say in terms of points given up. And so they should both be able to, you know, give you good games here. I keep saying that I'm worried that at one of these times, the other foot's going to, going to hit the ground when it comes to Zeke, but it hasn't happened yet. And in the last four weeks, they have both guys are like top 15 backs. So it's really hard to even attempt to bench either one. Yeah, exactly. They've both been killing it, which is so interesting. But let's talk about, you know, probably the biggest Cowboy news of this week. They just signed T.Y. Hilton. He will make his season debut on Sunday. At least that's the expectations. He probably won't play very much. But how does, you know, him being added to the team change this offense for the rest of the playoffs? You know, the next three weeks, now you have T.Y. Hilton in the mix. I don't anticipate a huge change, do you? I mean, yes and no. I think he's going to be that deep threat that they're missing right now. They don't really have that guy that's going to really, you know, bust it open over the top. CeeDee Lamb's a great receiver, but 
he's so he's so good in like the short distance and like the open field type of things once he has the ball in his hands. But he's not really like a burner. He's not a guy who's gonna just run a go route and beat everybody on the defense. When even though T.Y. Hilton is older, he is he was that guy. I think he still can be that guy on a small like playlist each week. So I think you're it's actually gonna open up his offense a little bit. But with that being said, I think even if he gets a small package of plays, whether it be, you know, 15, 15 to 20 plays a game, it's going to significantly hinder the impact of like a Michael Gallup. So I think his presence only really makes it so it's just more of CeeDee Lamb being the only viable fantasy player, um, at, at least along the among the receiver group in Dallas. Yeah, and I was leaning that way, you know, because Michael Gallup is not like he's killing it. But now that T.Y. Hilton's in the picture, that's probably the biggest difference that we're looking at for this offense. Michael Gallup probably sees a decrease. Yeah, I definitely fuck with you on that point. Let's talk about the Jaguars side of the ball. How concerned should we be about Travis Etienne? He has not scored more than eight points in his last four games. He was on fire earlier this year, and it seems to be slowing down. Um, you should be extremely concerned, if we're being completely honest here. Um, obviously, one of those games he did get hurt and only played 8% and only had like a couple of snaps. So yeah, I guess you could kind of throw that one out of the way, but it still means the last three games that he played fully, he scored a total of 16 points. So that's still not a good average regardless of the way you look at it. Uh, I think that's another one of those things where like when he was really killing it, they were giving him the ball more. I mean, he was getting close to 20 touches or more a game. And then in the last couple of weeks, um, when the decline happened, he's had the he's had 11, 13, then 17 carries. And so it's just one of those things like you need to get him going. You give him the ball more. And I need to see more usage from him in the past game. That was one, one of the places that he was actually thriving earlier in the year. Even though he was getting a ton of catches, he was being really efficient with them and getting you good yardage. In two of the last three games, he's had zero targets. Yeah, that, that is a good point to bring up here. I mean, in his last seven games, I think he has less than or just, just around 50 receiving yards. Two games with no targets at all. Yeah, so I'm with you on that one. Definitely be concerned because, you know, his, his um, what was it? When he left college, he had caught the most passes by a running back ever or something like that? I think in a single season, yeah, Clemson, I think he does have that record. Uh, it, I th- it might have been over the course of career, but whatever it may have been, uh, he did have some kind of like crazy receiving record like that. Yeah, so that's very interesting. Definitely uh, be a little iffy on him. Especially against well, this matchup. I mean, Dallas is, an, is a very, very good defense, and they have limited a lot of guys this season. So I'd be very worried about ETN. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because, you know, they're also going to shut down in the pass. And last week, the Jaguars' passing game was on fire. Uh, they pretty much tore apart the Titans, but number one, Christian Kirk did take a backseat to Zay Jones and Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram had a crazy good game, which, I mean, who would have expected that? Kudos to you because you had Trevor Lawrence as your quarterback start of the week, and it looked to work out pretty damn well for you. I had Christian Kirk as my wide receiver start of the week. Did not work out very well for me. Which is awesome. Surprisingly, though, I mean, that, I don't think anyone really would have. If when you see the stat line of Trevor Lawrence, you would have expected Christian Kirk to also have a good game because that's just the way things have gone this year. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, I think Trevor Lawrence probably had the best game of his career to this point. He was thirty of forty-two for three sixty-eight and three touchdowns. 
give you another rushing touchdown on the ground. He killed it. Where Christian Kirk gave you, he didn't have a bad day. It was just a very average day, you know. Um, he had seven targets, five catches for 45 yards. So it wasn't great. You definitely would have thought that he would have had a much better day, but it just wasn't wasn't meant to be. For whatever reason, Tennessee limited him. Um, I don't know. What do we expect this week, though? I feel like if someone is going to be able to overcome this Dallas defense, I'm going to rely more on Christian Kirk, who's the obviously more most talented receiver they have. Yeah, and that and that's how I feel. You know, even though that's like, even though last week he had a pretty bad game. You know, Christian Kirk. You know, seven targets, five catches. That's the stat line, right? That you told me. Yeah. Yeah. So the the usage is still there, and if it continues that way, he he's definitely the guy I'm looking for. Zay Jones is so hit or miss. Evan Ingram, tight end landscape sucks. Might as well just start him anyways. His his thirty three point game vaulted him all the way up to tight end four. God, I hate tight ends this year. Oh. <laughs> How so, fucking atrocious. I know. I mean, it's not he, he wasn't having a good season before. I think he I'm pretty sure he vaulted from like the tight end like 10 to 4 in that one week. Yeah, and he was having a solid season before that. Yeah, that's a good point that you, I just got from you. Top 10 tight end still. So, yeah, he's definitely worthy of starting. This Let's talk about I can't go. Evan Ingram has, has been such a pain in my ass as a fantasy manager for so long because he always had so much talent and just never showed it was constantly injured. And even the games that the last couple of years when he was fully healthy, still played like ass. And now he goes to Jacksonville is basically a no name down there because everyone basically forgot or gave up on him. And now he's having a breakout season. It's ridiculous. Tight ends, man. You can't predict shit with them, especially with his career trajectory right now. Yeah. All over the place. Let's move on to our last game of the episode. We're talking about the Chiefs versus the Texans in Houston. Chiefs are 14-point favorites. God damn. I bet you right now they're much more likely to cover that spread than Dallas was last week. Oh, yeah. That Dallas spread last week had uh, me in tears, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so 14-point favorites, the Chiefs. Uh, expected to slay the Texans. The over-under is 49.5 points. That's pretty high. Might be the highest of the, you know, these morning games we're talking yeah, about. And with a 14-point spread. So they're for whatever reason, they're still expecting the Texans to score some points here. Uh, but the Chiefs still destroy them. Yeah, and that's probably what's going to happen. So, you know, on the Chiefs side of the ball, like we pretty much just touched on it. They're probably going to be winning most of the game. And that means Isaiah Pacheco is probably going to have a big game, right? I don't see how he couldn't um, the, as you know, the Texans, it's just one of those things. Like I specifically avoided using Pacheco as my star of the week at running back this week, just because I was tired of picking on the Texans. It's too easy, man. Yeah. Every week it's like, which running backs playing the Texans? It really is like, and that's just the way it, way it's been. So he's going to have a good game. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, yeah. There's nothing else you can really be said about that. Yeah, I agree. What about the passing offense? So, you know, Juju had a pretty good game last week. He continues it. Personally, I I just don't like this receiving game. If it's not Travis Kelsey, it's too much of a risk. I agree. I'm I'm happy to see Juju coming finally breaking back out of the, this slump he was in because he was like we had mentioned last week. I believe it was actually that he was starting to really you know, come into like that flex worthy player week in and week out. 
and then just started put up a couple duds of games. Um, so it's glad to see that he can't, that he's bounced back. But as we mentioned, what with the Eagles Bears, it's so easy to run the ball against the Texans that on paper they're actually really good against wide receivers only because they don't have to throw the ball. So because of that being said, yeah, Juju needs to be on your bench in week one of the playoffs. Yeah, I totally agree. Let's talk about the Texan side of the ball. Damian Pierce, he is doubtful to play with a high ankle sprain, likely out for week 15, maybe up to three weeks. We've seen a lot of things about ankle sprains. You know, for us, I think four to six weeks is about right. But they are NFL players, and they have a bunch of, you know, different care that they can receive. So, yeah, either way, Damian Pierce probably out up to three weeks. If you got him, can't use him. And in his absence, with Damian Pierce being out, Rex Burkhead and Dari Ogunbowale are probably going to lead the backfield. Are we looking at a 50-50 split, or who's going to be taking over here? I'll just say real quick, Rex Burkhead is the more interesting option. He catches the ball more, and he gets goal line carries. So if Damian Pierce isn't there, that's who I like. Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with you. Um, I, Obviously, I think Dare is going to be, you know, sprinkled in here and there. Um, But it's going to be, I think, Burkhead getting the, the bulk of the carries. And with that being said, with, when it comes to Damian Pierce's availability for the rest of the season, I know they're saying he couldn't come back, you know, in a, in a week. And they, they're saying he could potentially miss just one week. If I'm the Texans, why? You're playing for nothing. He's the only bright spot on your offense and the, really the only like building piece you have on that offense. Let him sit for the rest of the year. Like, why why risk him having to go into the offseason and have surgery or something like that? Let him rest and, you know, pick let him pick back up next season where he left off this season. Yeah, I'm totally with you. It's at this point, like, why would you even do it? They're the obvious number one pick in the, the draft this year. They've been shitting the bed. They have one win. Uh, was it 12 losses and a tie? Something like that, yeah. Atrocious. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, is there anyone else in the Texans that we'd like to talk about? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Unless, All right. you, want, unless you want to admire the length of Davis Mills next. I'm not going to admire it. I'll just stand there in awe. <laughs> All right. Well, that wraps up this episode then. You know, this week 15 starter sits for the early games. If you want to hear the late games, which is going to be like Sunday afternoon, Sunday night, Monday night football games. The episode's coming out on Friday. Keep an eye out for that one. Uh, if you haven't already, make sure you follow us on Twitter at the FF Fathers. Interact with us. We're chill. We'll reply. We'll give you good advice about anything. Um, mostly anything, I guess I should say. <laughs> who knows? Who knows what you are going to ask us? But yeah, at the FF Fathers on Twitter, make sure you like and subscribe. Where are we listening to right now? You know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all those random million podcasts. Like and subscribe. You'll get our episode notifications, and our episodes come out on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays. So yeah, we got plenty of fancy content coming through the end of the playoffs. Good luck this week if you don't hear tomorrow's episode. Did I miss anything, Ty? Nope. Sound good to me. Hell yeah. 10 for 10. Shooting a hundo. All right. Well, that's what it is. If you want to hear the late games, like I said, uh, look for us on Friday. You won't even have to look for us, though, if you like and subscribe wherever you're listening. So, yeah. Thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you on Friday. Bye. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs>